Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. If there's anyone out there looking for us, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs, and you can find me personally at Justin Bizarro. Again, that's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. If you're trying to listen to us, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. And if you're hungry and looking for food and don't want to leave your couch or your office, I recommend finding these great entrepreneurs on the show on the DoorDash app if they're on there. So with that being said, I'm going to jump right into it. I have a special guest with us. I tried her product over the weekend. Her name is Mabel Greenberg of Fruling, and they are out of Manhattan, New York. And I will let you tell all about your products and your service. But first, Mabel, introduce yourself, and let's hear about your story. Like, how did you become a food entrepreneur, and you sort of what was your upbringing? Okay. Well, hi, Justin. Hi. Sorry. I jumped right into it like (laughs) an autopilot. No, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm so happy to be here and um, honored that you asked me to tell some of our story. Um, So yeah, I'll just jump right in too. Um, I was born and raised in New York City. Uh, Grew up to a bohemian family in Soho. Uh, My mom was an artist. My dad was a builder. Um, and growing up, my dad was also in the, in nightlife. He had a club called McGovern's and also um, worked a lot at the knitting factory. So I spent a lot of time there. Um, but yeah, grew up in a pretty bohemian upbringing. Um, didn't always have a ton of like, well, I didn't really have an allowance, but I always wanted spending money. So I was basically like always finding creative ways to make money growing up. So like I think my earliest entrepreneurial venture was selling painted rocks in a basket that I dropped down from our fire escape and asked for a suggested donation. And then like, I was also doing performance art with my sister. We would like tie ourselves to the pole in the corner and ask for tips. And then, (laughs) (laughs) and I think my parents were like, they didn't, they thought it was weird, but they were just like, go for it. If you can make some cash doing this weird stuff, like they didn't have any issue with it. So Growing up in New York was just like, it was pretty amazing. Um, Definitely had a lot of freedom, a lot of exposure to diversity, um, different cuisines. And I think I didn't really come up with the dream of being an entrepreneur until I guess my early 20s, but I did always see myself becoming an artist. And so I think as I was uh, wrapping my head around that as a child and um, growing up, I think what that meant to me was just like wanting to chart my own path and really like come up with a vision and just pursue it and be able to support myself with that vision. Um, so for me, that looked like being an artist as as a young adult and child. But um, basically, like I had a series of health issues in my early 20s when I was going really hard at that dream of becoming an artist. Um, and I ended up getting burned out. And it turned out that that like period of being burned out, like really was like, a breakthrough moment for me in crystallizing my vision of fruitling. Um, so yeah, so basically, um, in my early twenties, I was working every single job I could get. I was just, um, I really was taking every opportunity I could to make a reputation for myself as an early career artist in New York city. Um, and obviously like New York is a really expensive city to live in. Um, so I was like doing food service um, on top of creative work. And then my early 20s, like I got this main, this job working at this wellness media company called Mind Body Green as their video editor. And that was like, it was like a permalance job. So I was doing that pretty much full time. 
Um, but then also taking like any creative jobs I could um, on the nights and weekends. So I was really like burning the candle at both ends and eventually ended up getting burned out. And I had like a series of health issues. So I had like lost my period for a year. I was having a uh, pretty bad psoriasis. I was honestly depressed and in a bad like mental and emotional state. Um, and it, it really came to a, a breaking point. And a friend of mine was also going through something similar who was, she lived in Paris and she invited me to go stay at her place while I recovered. And she was coming back to the US to do the same thing. Um, so that was the first time I'd ever traveled alone abroad. And it was a really pivotal moment for me. Um, I was still working remotely for this wellness media company, editing their classes on nutrition um, and working remotely from like these little Parisian cafes. So I was, I became really obsessed with nutrition at that time. And I was trying to eat an anti-inflammatory diet um, because, well, one reason was I didn't have health insurance and I wanted to heal my body with food because I wasn't having success um, going to doctors. And so a lot of these different um, people who were, who were teaching the classes I was editing, they were talking about um, like, well, anti-inflammatory foods, blue zone diet, all these different um, like philosophies that I came to really, I really love. And um, I was very inspired by, and there were a few different teachers in that period of time that started talking about like nuts in a different way that I started to shift the way that I thought about them. Um, so one guy, Sean Robinson, he said that we should be eating two Brazil nuts every day for our daily dose of selenium, um, which is a really important mineral most people are deficient in that helps with like lots of different um, like hormonal processes and um, lots of different body processes that I don't know all of them. Um, but then another person was talking about how pistachios naturally balance your hormones. And so I was working remotely in these Parisian cafes and wanted like a luxurious treat that I could eat with my coffee that wasn't an inflammatory food that like a fancy croissant. That's what I always wanted, but I was not able to eat that while I was um, eating an anti-inflammatory diet. So um, I was also kind of like fed up with like the American food system where basically like the only like quote unquote healthy options you could have um, were like one of these nut like an energy bar but even those were filled with like weird sugars and filler ingredients and binders that were in inflammatory so um basically like i i wanted something that felt luxurious and decadent like a pastry but that i could eat every day that would actually support my health instead of make being something that i saw as like a treat that i could eat once but then have to like work extra hard to get back to my baseline of health afterward so I was basically like frustrated because I couldn't find something that felt luxurious and decadent that was also healthy. And I just felt intuitively that there must be something like that out there. And so I started to, at that time, I was starting to think about nuts differently as sort of like a dietary supplement, like a whole food supplement. And I realized that the Parisian bakers were using these really high quality nuts that were way higher quality than anything I'd ever seen before in the U S. So basically, um, it was like a summer that I was in Europe that time um, and I was in Paris and then what I really wanted to do was go to Berlin. So I ended up going to Paris and Berlin and I was just basically obsessed with the grocery stores, the farmer's markets, the organic shops and markets. 
And there was this moment in my path where like I was spending like all my free time walking the aisles of like grocery stores and organic shops. And I didn't really know why I was doing it. Kind of felt like there was something bigger happening that I didn't have a full perspective on yet. But I was just obsessed with like um, every single product that was on the aisles, seeing what stores had different products and in different ingredients and trying to find the highest quality superfood ingredients that were also delicious. Um, and then combining them at home for myself, just as like a preliminary mix that I could take with me to the cafes and eat with my coffee instead of a pastry. Um, so at one point, like when I had arrived in Berlin, um, I discovered the Bronte pistachios, which were, uh, really a turning point in developing fruiting. Um, and I guess before I get there, I'd like to back up a tiny bit and just say that like, I had been really it was i was like in a very spiritual kind of place this period of time like trying to rebuild my sense of self from like the ground up and really like asking um like the heavens basically like how can i lead a life where um it's like i'm doing creative work in a sustainable way like what is my how can i find my purpose and contribute what i'm naturally good at to society in a way that will actually like bring value to people's lives And so I was like asking all these really big life questions. Um, And and so, yeah, basically I was like waiting for the answers to come. Um, And meanwhile, just creating this mix myself, didn't connect the dots at all at that time, but was basically like, I got to Berlin. Um, I actually started to date this baker who was working at this really high quality um, Italian bakery in Marktal where they made an amazing pistachio croissant. And he introduced me to the Bronte pistachios, which is what they use for the croissant. And they, it, it totally like opened my eyes to how high quality ingredients actually can be when they're from really mineral rich, high quality soil. Um, because the Bronte pistachios that he brought home were like emerald green. They were this magical, color and flavor and it was just everything was so much more potent than anything I'd ever tried before and um I thought you know if I'm gonna add these pistachios to my mix like I really need to upgrade every single other ingredient to match that quality and so I think it was that moment was definitely a turning point for me where I was like whoa like this people don't have access to these kind of ingredients back where I'm from and I think people would really enjoy them um and i started to realize like yeah basically i became obsessed with finding the highest quality superfood ingredients and combining them in ways that were both delicious and also like super nutritious um and i wanted to create like the perfect ratios where if i ate that every day it would um sorry it would support my health and the on like for the future in the indefinite future so at that time like i was editing a couple podcasts with different uh food founders so there was um the siggy's yogurt founder was telling his story amanda chantal bacon from moon juice was telling her story and so i think those were like some early seeds that were planted in my mind about like food entrepreneurship and so there was definitely this moment where i was in my kitchen one day i surrounded by like all these crazy ingredients that i had been collecting everywhere um and i realized i was having so much fun doing that and kind of 
the pieces just kind of came together and I was like, this is what I need to be doing. Like I need to apply my skills to building this into an actual product. Um, and then that was just the beginning, I think. Let's talk about uh, something real quick because I think there's a lot of important pieces here. Um, one is I agree with you 100% on the anti-inflammatory thing and it's interesting. I, I always think that the laws of attraction work and we attract people even into our businesses or even to this podcast that are going through similar life journeys as we are um, in our life. And for me, that's 100% true, actually. Like, I tend to go through this. I just went through, like, I've always, f I've been in the health food, so I've always figured and slowly improved my diet around healthy food and my exercise and my balance and now I do 75 hard and water and all these things and trying to get the right ingredients. I will tell you to get diverse foods, to get diverse meat, to get diverse vegetables, to get diverse starches even, like I'm not talking about processed starches like bread, it's very hard in the United States. It's actually yeah. for such a large country with so much land and so much ability, we are so hyper-focused on mass industrialized farming that it is nearly impossible for us to truly have the biodiversity and uh, for our own diets, let alone the biodiversity that's needed for the regeneration of our planet, okay? I wanna anchor that. The other thing I wanna anchor is that nuts come from trees, okay? And trees are not cashew or I'm um, sorry almond trees in the middle of a desert in California where we have to overwater I'm talking about like almonds in the countries where they grow naturally and they have the right sources not saying that you can't farm them but trees are important a part of this regeneration and nuts are a part of that as well if we we do it right if we integrate the animals into the farms and into the trees so I love what's going on here I will also say that I've experienced the world alone uh, traveling abroad. I've experienced it with family, but I always find my way eating through cities. That's the restaurants. Obviously, I do this show, but it's also what you're talking about. I am very attracted to the market and the way the rest of the world does things and brings fruit. We call them farmer's market. Like It's like this special thing, yet it's just the rest of the world, the way they do things. Okay? And like, so true. And like, it's amazing to me because the United States, I love that we are entrepreneurs and I love capitalism, but we over monetize everything at the sake of quality and health. And that's just even organic in this country compared to everywhere else has become a tool to gain money by versus actually doing the right thing by the product. In my experience, unless you find the right markets, the right people that are sourcing and, and it's not the mass massive ones, okay? It's not Amazon owning Whole Foods anymore. Like that whole ship sailed a long time ago. And we're talking about mass industrialization farming to produce even the food that's supposed to be healthier for you. Okay. So but what it does, and when we don't eat whole foods, is we don't realize what we do to food. Cooking's one thing, but when we we mess it up, we tear it apart, then we have to fortify it with minerals like we do here and vitamins because we strip them all away. That's not whole food. That's not a natural food source, even though the food pyramid in the United States says that. It's a freaking joke, and it's because of lobbying that that exists, just so everyone's aware. Like, we allow that in. We don't use common sense here. We allow it in. The other thing I will tell you is even with the healthiest of diets, I'm now 43 years old, and when we expanded in my previous company, Food Service Partners, and we had a bunch of companies, we were in restaurant equipment and sales and uh, restaurant design and food trucks and logistics and co-packing and meal direct to consumer, but mainly healthcare. 
and whatever. But when the world changed a little bit during COVID and everyone was so worried about everything and we couldn't go to the grocery stores and everyone raided every processed food they could because they thought we're going to run out of food eventually. We accidentally created this weird pattern in food where processed food became front and forefront, even though we're trying to be healthier because of the coronavirus or COVID, however you want to look at it, we put bad food back in the forefront. I don't know why, but it's just what we do with maybe comfort food, but it hasn't been this way until we industrialized food in the way that we did. And yes, I get it. You wanted light food, high calories to go to the troops in the wars, and that sort of created this rush. And Americans needing not to starve, we thought hunger feed them as much food as possible but we don't realize this hunger is not related to the amount of food we eat it's a mm-hmm. it's based on the amount of nutrition and the diversity of food we get we are hungry for vitamins and minerals we aren't hungry for volumes of food so generally those who keep eating and eating and eating and eating you're probably not getting the minerals and vitamins you need even if you're taking a supplement you need to get it through your foods especially whole foods because here's the thing that I know from the that we don't know in the United States and we think vitamins are the solution. They are not the solution. They are manipulated, they are processed and they are usually done in ways that our body doesn't even absorb them process properly so you end up urinating or whatever them sweating them whatever other ways out of your body a majority of the things that you put in because they're not meant to be processed by our bodies in that way. They're meant to be processed through natural foods. Okay, that includes meats, vegetables, starches. It's just the way it is. God created us. God created everyone with a purpose, including animals. That means there is a food chain. I don't know how to tell everyone that other than that humanity can only exist and go on and not live in this constant state of starvation or malnutrition if we don't start to look at this. And weirdly, if we really start to look at this and regenerate the planet, um, we actually could probably reverse a lot of the damage we've done and actually bring our planet back to health. But it takes a worldview. It takes a U.S. view. It takes a world of, hey, we eat how many times a day? We can better our bodies, better our health, and better that. I will also anchor this. Even with the healthiest of diet, the amount of stress that we put ourselves as humans, um, we welcome in a lot of negativity. We don't deal with negative family patterns. We don't do that. And in my own experience, as that built up, even with the healthiest diets, I didn't keep my mental health or deal with family patterns or relationship issues the way that I should have or friendships or whatever it is. And that surmounting thing can cause a lot of inflammation in the body. Okay, so if you're eating inflamed foods already, that's terrible for you. Okay, and I know because weirdly, I started getting digestive problems like I could not believe I started having allergies like I couldn't believe. I was having psoriasis on my hands, elbows, and knees, and everyone's like, oh, you're allergic to white potatoes. Oh, now you're allergic to bread. Okay, now, or gluten. Now you're allergic to uh, uh, eggs one time they threw at me. But the reality was this, is weirdly into my diet over the last seven years in the transition in the food industry, I was unintentionally getting a lot of foods or things that were not done naturally or they were processed in ways that were different or as these companies I was so used to got bought by conglomerates they started cutting corners and adding things like preservatives and stuff that I wasn't catching and it is true even at Whole Foods I'm sorry guys anyone I'm going to break hearts but if you look at the labels of even your healthiest foods now you'll see them 
even the best as they get consumed and everyone's about profit, they start extending that shelf life by artificial ingredients. So um, I'm sorry to go in there, but let's talk about like... Oh, I loved it. <laughs> um, let's, I want to introduce you to Analia Bell Fries too. You guys have a similar story-ish. Uh, not, she's oh, in cool. French fries uh, down there on uh, the Lower East Side, but she, they grew up in the same area. Her father was in the garment business in that area as well and similar upbringing, uh, I would say, and she's in her mid-20s. So she's just a really oh, strong cool. entrepreneur and in the similar space, I feel like you guys could connect and do a lot together um, and inspire Amazing. each other. So oh, thank you so much. I'd love to connect with her. Yeah, that, that'd be awesome. I try to do that with this show all the time. So let's talk about you have an idea now. You've got this thing down. You're like, okay, nuts. I get the the whole foods. I get the mixes. There's, you know, we talked a little bit about berries maybe. And um, at least I can't stop thinking about the dried strawberries I had from your product uh, last weekend because they were so good. And your mix was so good. And it actually, it's crazy how much energy it gave me. I do want to emphasize that because it wasn't in a protein bar. It wasn't that. And that's one of the things I started eating a bunch of during that period where my protein bars and the things I was getting that were once more natural started using weird chemicals and stuff and bonding agents to get their their bars together or diversify their flavors. And so they cut corners. But that's one of the things that I will say that really impacted me. I do not eat protein bars at all anymore because of this, mm-hmm. um, yeah, as I discovered. I, I hear you. I mean, I barely eat them as well. And I, um, to your point about the energy, one thing that I was kind of obsessed with in the early stages of building brewing was the idea that nuts are like nature's luxury food. It's like concentrated energy food because some of these ingredients, like for example, the bronte pistachios take two years to fully mature. Um, and that's two years that the plant is extracting nutrients from the soil, which is, I believe, one of the reasons why those pistachios are um, so much more flavorful and just packed with nutrients and minerals. Um, so yeah, the nuts take a really long time for the plants to, to create and to produce. And so yeah, they deliver lots of, lots of concentrated energy in the small package. Yeah, and I don't know if it would be called a gestation period because I think that has to do with like a live animal, but I'm not sure. But whatever it is, that period, and the term is actually escaping me, but I know it. The But that when the amount of energy that goes into products like grasses, like wheat grass is better than the wheat plant, okay, that's mm. grown and we process because when they're in growth – and we allow them to have the growth spurts. There's energy translated there, particularly if we eat it the closer it's been processed. Or I processed is not the right word. Um, the picked or whatever taken off the farm. Wow, I'm losing all my mm-hmm. uh, vocabulary today. But um, but either way, and it's the same with animals. The sooner that we we process them and we eat them, the better off the values are. Because just like anything else, they decay. They you see it in your fridge. Your steak turns brown. But I'm going to emphasize this because I think just to acre it and you talked about two years, that period is very important because it is getting nutrients and it is letting it do its natural cycle, which is translated into the human body. Okay. And it's one of the reasons we, even though we vilify a lot of things like cows having a longer period to grow and, and gain a lot more nutrients out of the field and off these energy grasses that I'm talking about, particularly if they're 
grazed in a lot of diversity like there's winter grasses and barley and all those grasses and they they eat them they where they're not turning into plants and you're getting that energy over the year and a half for two years they live uh, before they're being processed it's important that's what makes them different than chicken while chicken has a lot of protein and everyone's like it's clean there's a benefit to having the fat and the meat that is grazed with all that energy for the human body and what it does for minerals and energy in our body. I just want to emphasize that because I normally don't get to talk about this stuff during a podcast, so I'm totally geeking out. But it's, um, you know, I'm going to end up probably having Mabel on another podcast just so we can talk about all this for a part two. Um, Love that. But let's talk about, we were talking about the, the, you know, how do you decide to be a business, a food entrepreneur? How did you decide to take this to where you are today. I mean, you end up back in Manhattan. How did you end up back from Europe in Manhattan? And how did you start to make this dream an idea? I should say what I would say God planted something in you for sure, or a higher power, however you want to look at it. your spirituality grew. Um, how did this manifest itself in your life as you got back into Manhattan? Uh, so well, how did you get back and how did it manifest? Basically, okay, so there was a period of time when I was living in Berlin for almost a year in like 2016, and I had gotten a freelance visa there. Um, but basically, as a, in order to get that visa, you needed to get, you needed to do a decent amount of networking and find potential work opportunities in Germany. And while I did find some, what I really discovered was that there really wasn't that much like work in Germany. Like, um, I think Berlin, like there was there there was some former mayor talked about Berliners being like poor, but sexy. And that really is the lifestyle there. It's like people don't work that much. And especially being um, without speaking fluent German, there wasn't that much work to be had for me. So eventually I ended up um, applying for jobs back home. And I got this job working at the com- this company called Culture Trip as their video commissioner. So I ended up moving back to Manhattan for that job. Um, but I, so I kind of put freeling on the back burner for a little while, even though I had had this period when I was still in Berlin of like the, the dream had grown. Like I, I, once I had that moment of realizing like, this is what I want to do. I started to get like all these downloads basically um, where it was like the name came to me, like all these different ways that I, the product just all these details kind of came to me and it was just like, once it started, it wasn't stopping. And I was, it just really built my confidence and the, and the fact that this is what I need to be doing. Um, but I really had to break through the, um, the idea that I was not a food entrepreneur. Like I had, I had to really develop confidence that I could actually execute this dream. Um, and that was one of by far one of the hardest hurdles that I've had to move through in order to get where I am today. Um, but basically I needed money. So I ended up getting this job at culture trip, moved back to the U S I had, I put freeling on the back burner and then used that job to basically like, I really dove into storytelling around food with video. So, um, I was at culture trip for like two years, um, producing and directing short documentaries mostly about food in the U.S. And so I was kind of, I guess, working on food storytelling, um, but not about fruiling. And then basically ended up leaving that job. Um, And once I did, I really was like, you know, this is 
this is the time that I need to build my dream. Like this, there's no other time to do it. So basically I put my head down and just worked for like a year or two, pretty much just laying the foundation of the business, learning what actually went into starting a food business, like all the paperwork, all the, like everything. I basically just put myself in as many like entrepreneurship groups as I could find and absorbed as much information as I possibly could about how to start a business, um, especially one in food. And so that was definitely a period of absorbing lots of information and just trying to ask as many questions as I could. And um, I didn't really tell very many people at all about my dream at that time. I really kept it quiet and told like maybe two or three friends that I wanted to start a nut business because at the time I think that it seemed really crazy. Um, but I did have this vision in the back of my head. So I just knew that I was going to do it and I'll tell people when it was ready pretty much. So, um, yeah, so basically I did that. And then once the pandemic, the pandemic hit, but, um, once I was ready, like we were mid COVID, but, um, yeah, so we launched in the middle of a global pandemic, which was definitely not anticipated, but, um, it's been working so far. I love this. So what does exactly fruling mean? Fruling means springtime in German. And um, I love the word because I love the word in German. Um, and I love the imagery of springtime, just being the time of year when new life is born, when flowers blossom. So, yeah, I that that name came to me when I was still in Germany. So, I mean, I love that you're doing this. I love that you're building a brand. Like, how did, like, you have different mixes of nuts. You have, you know, berries in there. How did you sort of start formulating these ingredients? How did you start sourcing everything that you needed? I mean, that's a whole another adventure, like sourcing and inventory and getting dried berries, things like that. Like, talk to us about um, how you did all that and, and what that was like. Well, I think one of the things that, like, because I wasn't really trained in business or like logistics or any of these things, I didn't really know that, um, like, I guess I didn't really have this perception of like how challenging that could be or how many obstacles that one might need to overcome in order to build like a global supply chain. But so I, I think because I didn't know, like that ignorance really helped me just like jump right into it and just like figure it out as I went. Um, but yeah, so when I was working at Mind Body Green, uh, it was I was really like absorbing so much information about nutrition to the point where it was like sometimes it was too much. Like I think there's definitely like a fine line between like like I don't know. I think I was kind of straddling the line of like orthorexia a little bit to be honest because I just became obsessed with like everything needing to be like super healthy that I ate, but I it was because I just had so much information about like what was healthy. Um, but I was obsessed with it and absorbing all this like information about um, these healthy ingredients. And I became really interested in like Chinese medicine and Ayurveda and the different ingredients that these um, philosophies were using over the centuries to support people's health. So um, yeah, I pretty much was spending all my free time like researching these superfood ingredients and trying to find the ones that were really delicious so that I could add them to the mix. And so yeah, I, I became obsessed with finding this, um, the most nutrient dense ingredients that were also delicious. And so 
lots of these um, course teachers, they were talking about like the importance of minerals and nutrients like vitamin C and selenium. And, and so, um, yeah, I was just researching everything and finding, just trying to compile all the best quality ingredients I could find. Um, yeah. And then that's basically what, what led to the creation of the original superfood snack. Um, yeah. So that one is, that's our first product that we launched with and it was our only product for two years, but it is really designed as like a whole food supplement using only the highest quality nuts, dried berries and whole roasted cacao beans that we can find. Um, so every single ingredient supports your whole, whole body health in some way. Um, whether it's the nuts that support, you know, they're filled with magnesium and healthy oils, healthy fats. Um, they support your, your heart, your circulatory system and um, so many different things via the magnesium. And then um, the berries, like for example, golden berries are like packed with vitamin C. Like they're one of the most um, vitamin C rich foods on the planet. Um, and they're used in Ayurveda for centuries. And I believe they're one of the most commonly uh, like the they're they're the ingredient that's used most commonly like in ayurvedic medicine um or one of the most commonly used ingredients um just because they're so nutrient dense and they're also really high in protein for a berry um and then the mulberries have been used in chinese medicine for centuries they're believed to calm the shen or the spirit um they also are really good for your skin and both of those berries are naturally low in sugar so that was definitely like a guiding principle for how I was looking for the ingredients. I wanted everything to be really naturally low in sugar. Definitely was not going to be adding any sugar to that mix. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to really maximize the nutrient density and that while also never compromising on flavor and wanted to create something that really tasted and felt like a luxurious treat that was kind of similar to a fine pastry. I love this. Oh, and then... Yeah, and then ahead. every bag has two Brazil nuts. So that's for your daily dose of selenium. Yeah, so I, one of the things I want to talk on, it's like, I don't know, The Mandalorian's a very popular TV show now, so I'm going to steal the phrase that they use in there. It's a, it is the way. Why do you wear your helmet? It is the way. Why do you need to go to the river? It is the <laughs> way. You know, and they say it, it is the way. But it's this interesting, we do this as humans. We construct these things in our mind. And if you're in business and food, it's always this is the way it's done. Or this is the way we've done it, always. And mm -hmm. I find that in a lot of industries. And it's interesting because you and I have a weird flip-flop going on. It's like, as I've done the podcast over the last five years, uh, this one in particular, and I'm growing and I have, for the audience knows, we have the Night Dasher with Justin Bizarro coming out. Uh, the Justin Ryan Bizarro show, which is basically like this show, but outside the food space because we had so many musicians, entertainers, uh, gym owners, athletes, uh, people in the health space, but outside of food coming to me wanting to be on the show that we actually spun off a separate show. And then I have the Centurion Leadership Battalion with Justin Bizarro's show, which is about leadership everyday issues, all that stuff that I was, I extrapolate out of this show, the things we talk about with these entrepreneurs. But I want to anchor this because weirdly, because I didn't know entertainment and I didn't know TV and I didn't know all these things when it came to me to turn these, these into develop a TV show. 
um, which will be called Foodtopia, uh, Eat, Love, Learn. And it does go around the world over 18 seasons over the next 12 years. We'll be releasing three seasons every two years, and we start recording in October. And I'll let everyone eventually figure out. You can follow us on Instagram at Foodtopia TV, and you can find out there where it'll be released and what's going on there and all the cool stuff going on. But because I didn't know the industry and I didn't know the confines and I'm just an entrepreneur in general, I kind of snow plowed the constructs that were usual in the normal entertainment business. Like I guess normal people just come with a pilot or a few pilots. (laughs) No, I came, we planned out. When they asked me to do it, I planned out every detail. I've already connected with entrepreneurs in the cities because the show we've got, you know, farms, it's laid out, you know, for example, all even in like, uh, Phuket, for example, like the cashews and the cashew farms and what those cash, how those cashews then get processed. And then what the restaurants and the food entrepreneurs, both farm entrepreneurs, food entrepreneurs that are in manufacturing and then food entrepreneurs that are in the restaurant and how all three of those create just as an example. So it's well beyond let's just go travel the world and eat food. This is about the real food mapping that's going on here. And I just looked at it differently. I actually looked at it as a person that had sourced food from all over the world. And I looked at it as a person that has relationships and built relationships with food entrepreneurs like yourself all over the world. And my perception is not United States bound. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have that perspective necessarily because of the, the way I looked at food and the sourcing and the vertical integration all the way to the farms and sourcing Mm -hmm. locally. And then what we talked about being in Europe and Asia and Central and South America and even Australia, New Zealand, the way food's done differently, okay? And um, so it's weird because I just wanted the audience to understand this. The constructs that that are holding us back are often in our mind or in the group collective. It's not actually an obstacle. You can actually walk right through them. They're a fear based on an emotion which is fear or an experience or because someone is telling you because they're quote unquote the experts, but it's just generally not true. You know, and I want to be careful about this, but it's even like the borders that are our countries, just as an example, they are fictitious. They are made up. They don't really exist. They exist because we make them exist. It's not like nature's like, oh, this is the United States. And God's like, boom, I drew (laughs) rivers that make the United States. And you have surrounded by a moat. No, it's just the way we did it as humans. And they're constructs. And so it's no different, like just no different than all of a sudden you could be on a border now of like Germany and walk across the border because it's a European Union into Czech Republic flawlessly and you don't feel any different. I'm not mm-hmm. different because all of a sudden I went from this piece of ground that's quote unquote German to this piece of ground that's the Czech Republic. It doesn't change who I am and nothing bad happens to me. And so I just often, I'm not talking about breaking laws that put you in jail or human life or violating spiritual maladies that cause you know bad family patterns or bad patterns. What I'm talking about is entrepreneurism across the board. And I think that because of these things, Um, you were able to do well in what you're doing and you're able to put together such a diverse product because you didn't allow the constructs that other people have grown up in or as they've risen the corporate ladder, there's all these, well, you can't do this, but you can do that, but you can't do this, but you can do that. And it's absolutely, I find it to be a joke in today's world because I almost think it's a, it's a power thing um, anymore. And it's a sense of control and it really is and egotism and narcissism reaping rampant on our societies. But honestly, you're giving me chills because that's so true. And it's really like, 
it's something that I've really thought about a lot as well. I mean, I think like in my earlier career, um, having worked so many different kinds of jobs, like there was always this pressure, like, I don't know, it was often there, there were these kind of the higher ups who were, I felt like they kind of created this message that, you know, you can't do this because X, Y, Z. And it was all about like creating these limitations that allowed the business to function because everyone was, you know, playing their role, which I understand the value of that. But I think like for me, I, I really needed to get out of New York in order to come up with this vision. I really needed to remove myself from this narrative of like, you can't because, um, because of all these stories we tell ourselves about like what it means to operate in like the, the corporate world or like New York city, like there were just so many limitations that I was feeling here that I needed to really break out of. And for me, that meant getting out of the city in order to see how other people lead their lives. And, um, really to just like remove so much of that noise in order to really trust my own instincts. And I think like one of the biggest ongoing lessons that I've, I'm still learning in Fruling is to really trust my instincts. And it's, it's just sometimes it can be difficult, especially in New York where there's so much kind of messaging coming from the top or that like it, it doesn't encourage people to go out on their own because, you know, these big operations re rely on, everyone kind of being in their own little little slot so i would encourage anyone who's feeling like they want to go out on their own to just like don't be afraid to shut out the noise if that means like leaving where you're comfortable and getting out of your comfort zone i think that was one of the best things i've ever done um and yeah i'm still trying to figure out like my daily habits and rituals that like allow me to tap into my instincts and really hear those instincts and that's like a huge part of my process. Yeah, we're definitely going to do a part two because I have like, I've literally written down a page of questions <laughs> uh, that I want to talk to you about and like things that I think that we can talk about in the nutrient space and the spiritual space and, and what it and how good this conversation is because you went abroad, I think is one of the things and you had to deal with a personal issue that only entrepreneurial ingenuity could help with in this world. And I agree with this because I find I get stuck or I'm entrapped by other people's constructs or other business mm -hmm. constructs or human constructs, however you want to look mm -hmm. at it. And I have to use my own head, my own to be a solution driven individual in a society that everyone just wants to take the easiest path. Like really, it just becomes easier and easier and easier to become less healthy to just Eh, why eat healthy when I can just go get a drug and fix my problem now the whole diabetes medicine and weight loss like it's like uh yeah like I get you want to look good but you're not going to feel better because you didn't earn it and and yeah. it's weird because I see people go through this now and they're like why don't I feel better why don't I feel better well you don't have any confidence because taking the magic pill doesn't earn the mental toughness that it takes in the discipline to eat right to exercise to understand your own body and when you get to understand your own body you're actually getting to know yourself better your soul your mind so, your spirit so, oh my gosh yes that is so true for my experience as well um and i just feel like for me like there's been so many moments where like the things that really challenged me pissed me off gave me issues those were the exact like points of friction that i was able to kind of pivot on and and find a solution for that like they, those things gave me like anger and frustration, but those 
like being able to witness that those emotions coming up within myself, I guess like I was able to crystallize the vision for how to solve them. And so I feel like in my early twenties, like I was really kind of angry and like had a lot of frustration and I I'm so grateful to be where I am now because I feel like I'm, I'm just so happy that I was able to turn some of that energy around and, and put it towards building something that could solve those problems for myself. Like that has been the most empowering experience of my whole life. I agree. I think that for anyone that you, I don't even know how to describe it. Like I almost feel bad for anyone who doesn't know how to like, doesn't discover this in life. I just can't imagine not knowing this. Like it's just, it's such a freeing thing almost. And, um, there's such a connection for me to God because of it and to the humans around me in a similar space, like in the friendships and the bonds and then the legacies that we're creating in food and in positive energy and positivity in the world. Even though there, I don't feel there's many of us across the world, there are enough of us that it, it is starting to, to make a difference, I believe. Um, so I, so I really appreciate you coming on the show. We're going to have, I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to you. I know you gave me a bunch of dates. We'll do a part two and set something up because I just want to continue to tell your story. And if I keep going now, I feel like I'm only going to get halfway <laughs> through and then we're going to like have half an episode next. So okay. let's well, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Let, tell us where they can find you online. How do they order your products? How do they get your food? Yeah, so you can find us online at fruling.co, and that's spelled F-R-U-H-L-I-N-G dot C-O. And you can definitely order our products from there. Or if you are in New York City, you can stop by Dimes Grocery. We're also sold at Arcastratus Bookstore in Greenpoint, um, Dover Street Market, and Nine Orchard Hotel. Um, and then we also are sold at a little surf shop out in the Rockaways, but um, yeah, if you're in LA, we're also sold at Juice to Grocery and Wine and Eggs. And um, but yeah, definitely order us online, and would love to hear from you guys if you feel like reaching out. Yeah, so uh, like we're gonna continue to tell the story because I even have questions about marketing and advertising. Being in New York City, you're almost fighting something because everyone knows New York City it does things backwards. Like let's stop kids from drinking soda by banning twenty ounce sodas. Okay, um, I'll just buy two. <laughs> Okay, like, come yeah. <laughs> on. Like, let's, who thought of this? Like, these are the things that I want to talk about because I think that one of the big things in doing the New York City uh, Health and Hospital Corporation and all of their hospitals for uh, 18, 20 years that I did them, I can understand the backwards thinking that goes on there. That doesn't make any sense. Like, okay, food needs to be the solution in the hospitals too. Why are we taking steps backwards? Why are we using foreign companies to provide solutions there when we have solutions here? They don't have our best interests at heart. We do. And so like, and if we get in our communities and we believe in it, and this is why I'm so active in New York City right now, is because I think there's a lot of people from activists to musicians to entertainers to food entrepreneurs that are all seeing that there needs to be this shift in food because it's, it leads to an entire mindset of all humans that we consume so much food per day, it actually leads to our mindset. If we're thinking clean, if we're thinking healthy, if we're thinking the way that it benefits us and we feel it from it, it actually leads us to be better, more positive, caring, giving humans. And it's crazy because we still don't attach, we break bread. Well, that's just part of it. Yes, you can break bread over shitty food that's bad for you. 
but I'm talking about when you actually do it in a way, you cook it, you do it together, you make it from scratch, this whole ingredients, you get energy from it. You're not doing it to excess, for example, where you're, you're doing it because it's getting you the right minerals and nu- nutrition and vitamins. It's a different scenario. And while one feels good, imagine when one feels like a superpower because that is what happens when you change your diet to the way that we're talking about. And I call it a lifestyle because I think a diet assumes a period of time where a lifestyle, I'm doing this for the rest of my life. Um, Yeah, it's so true. I really agree with you on that. Yeah, and you're an incredible human. Um, I love what you're doing and I love that God or your higher power, whoever put you on this mission, because so much. I think that this is really going to make a difference in the world. And, and humans like you, um, whether we realize it or not, we've just been bestowed with a, a certain darkness that happened in our lives so we could find light and then shine that light on others and the rest of the world and help them out of darkness. And so oh this is really cool. And I really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, I just want to keep talking, but I'm going to refrain because everyone's like, yep, we need to do number two. I'm getting all the signs from everyone. And so, oh, Justin, thank you so much for those kind words. It really means so much to me. And I'm so grateful that you came by um, this past weekend and that we met because I've loved speaking to you and I've loved learning about your trajectory, too. It's so inspiring and you've done so much. Yeah, I can't I, wait to learn more. I appreciate it. I will thank Brett from New York State of Mind Clothing Company because I am working with him a lot and in the clothing space right now. And he's the one who invited me to to these events. And it's really, you know, there's a lot of people in New York who feel the same way you do. And they're all just starting to connect, uh, not only through like entre- entrepreneurs like me, but through markets and communities mm-hmm. and events. And like you said, entrepreneur groups and these gatherings. And it's just one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I, You know, Georgia did a good job of raising up food entrepreneurs, but N- New York City all of a sudden post-COVID has become a powerhouse for food entrepreneurs in particular. And the ones who are doing it properly for the humans, for the the people that work from realizing their dreams have to be big enough to fit everyone else's dream inside of it, taking responsibility for the humans they influence and impact, which is just huge and ownership of actually making a difference in the world with their business. It's not just to make money or provide a living for a family or be an entrepreneur anymore. It's like, I have so much more that I can give with what I'm doing to the people around me, to the humans around me, not only through the food and the quality of it, but also through the way I treat people. I invest in my community and I realize there's this rippling effect that could possibly last generations, not only in my own family, but the families I impact. So, I um, so much. Really? Can I just take a quick yeah. second to thank Mindful Matter Market? Um, yeah, absolutely. My friend Pat and Dee put on this amazing market in Brooklyn every few months. Um, that is where we met this past weekend. And it is an amazing group of people that come together and really believe in like whole health and it's they explore it through the lens of healthy alkaline vegan food and also creativity and it's just an amazing community so if you if you can i would suggest following them on instagram um and so you hear about the upcoming events because they're super fun yeah i love it thank you everyone for listening in if you like the show please share it if you're following mabel and you like what she's doing, give her episode reviews and stars. It helps them get out there. It helps get her voice out there. It helps share this message. Like I said, we're going to have her back on. 
And everyone who's out there, you can find me on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. You can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. And if you want food and you don't want to get up and get it or leave your office because you're too busy, you can find a lot of the entrepreneurs that are on this show on DoorDash. So I recommend using that app. But ultimately, I recommend moving and going out to get your food. I do recommend that. I recommend exercise (laughs) and movement always. Part of the process of enjoyment of food is being able to explore as you eat the food. You can't explore it if you're in your house or, or stuck in an office. So while I encourage all that and I get the convenience of deliveries all the time, I also encourage everyone to actually be active in your lives in any way that you can. So thank you everyone for listening in. Uh, I enjoy everyone again and I love you guys and we're out. Thank you, Justin.